Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to the app store, search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be continuing our study on Buff Christianity, and we're looking at Exodus chapter 17 today. Um, I'm all about confessing when I do something wrong, and I made another mistake yesterday, so I want to confess it, but uh, I unlocked the church for a, a group of people that wanted, they were renting out our church for um, uh, a baby shower, and uh, somebody went and locked the church after I unlocked it, and so they couldn't get in for like 40 minutes, so that was not a good deal. Uh, these people were trying to hunt us down and all that. And um, this is what I thought was funny about it, though. They couldn't get a hold of anybody. And so they thought the one place to go to get a hold of somebody was on Facebook on Marian Crime Chronicles. Okay? So when they look at Dayspring, they see criminals is what they see. You know what I mean? And, and what was funny is how many of you responded immediately to this? You know, and so now I'm starting to understand why we have so many sheriffs and troopers and cops in this place. They're looking for you, all right? They're here to get you. Right? So it just made me laugh yesterday. We got it all taken care of and stuff, but yeah, it just struck me as funny. Um, today, as we start our passage and about buff Christianity, it's this idea about being physically fit for the Lord and using our muscles for His glory. Um, when I was in, uh, I think I was a sophomore in high school, and a lot of the guys were in like a lot of spring sports, but I never did any of the spring sports. And so they would take us, our football coach would take us and start having some like workouts with us in the spring that would continue on to the summer. And so we had this guy by the name, and some of you may know his name. His name is Randy Potts. And he's a, he's a big buff dude. And he was our weightlifting coach. And he brought us a new workout one year. And I loved working out, you know. And, and the thing that I loved, I didn't like doing legs too much. The thing I loved doing was uh, bench press. And the reason why is because I have short arms and a big chest. So I didn't have to come down very far. <laughs> you know, so those bigger guys, they have to come down a long way. I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. But this guy came and he's like, hey guys, I've got this great workout for football this year. And I would always give him a hard time. But I really gave him a hard time on this one because he's, and I said, well, what kind of workout is it? And he's like, it's the Patrick Hewing workout. And I'm like, now some of you may not know that name, may not mean any difference to you. Uh, Patrick Hewing is a basketball player. All right, played for the Knicks. He now coaches for Georgetown. And uh, he's a big, big dude. But I was thinking in my mind, like, hey, coach, uh, you know we're playing football, right? Not basketball. I don't think this thing's going to work out. You know? And so there was part of me that sort of wanted to mess with him and say, I'm not doing that workout. That's for a basketball guy. That's different muscles and all this. And I have to tell you, though, I was respectful enough to say, okay, let's do the workout. And so I did the workout that year. And what was interesting is the results at the end. Because I followed it all the way through. And this, again, may not, mean, uh, may, uh, may not mean much to you. But, man, it would be great to hear, wow, okay, after I say this. But at the end of that, I was able to do 75 pounds more than I normally did. Yeah, I didn't hear that good. Let's try that again. I was able to do 75 pounds more, okay? Thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. So my total bench press was 75, which was great, you know? But... But anyway, so I followed this program out, and it was just, you know, it was one of those things where I felt good about. But what I realized in my head, I didn't really want to buy into the program. I didn't want to buy into it. 
But I found that once I committed myself to doing it, that I actually ended up seeing the results that I needed all along. And listen to this. God has given us a program that he's put out before us. And you and I have to decide if we're going to buy into it or not. Because there is some major weightlifting that we'll be able to do if we follow his program versus not. So let's get into this today. And this is starting with Moses. Um, we're going to go over the whole chapter today, but I want to start with verse 8 in our reading. It says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with my staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it up under him. And they sat on it. Aaron and Hur held the hands up, one on either side, one on, the, one on the one side and one on the other side, so that in his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because it, I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, and the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again for your words that were written. I mean, it seems so long ago, and yet those words are so impacting us today. We recognize that when we look at the people of Israel, the people that would call upon you and see success in calling upon that name, and then there were times they would turn their back on you and they would suffer defeat. Help us to understand that even in our own lives, there's something winning about being in your presence and serving you. And that, Father, we can often make mistakes and fall back when we don't follow you. I pray that the words that are spoken today, I pray that if I mess anything up, that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only thing that they would hear today is you. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm very dry today. I have to do a wedding after this, by the way. So I'll be leaving <laughs> pretty quick today, and, and uh, uh, it should be a good time. Um, when we get into this message again, I want to read verses 1 through 8, because what I want you to understand is God has given us a program that he wants us to start with. And I think that we often forget to take advantage of what God has given us. So one of the things that I think he's given the church that I don't think we take advantage of is prayer. And prayer is that ability to communicate with God and him to begin to listen to us, to show us things. And we pray in his will, not our own. Because if I pray in Chuck's will, a lot of things are going to get messed up. You know, and so sometimes God just has to sit with me and say, I hear your prayer, I'm going to show you the way, I'm going to give you a better sense of direction, or he may even have to correct my mindset and what I'm asking. And so we have the people of Israel who have been wandering in the desert, and, and in verse 1 here, this is what we read. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? 
They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa or Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now, what I want you to understand is what's happening in the people. These are people that have been delivered from the hands of the Egyptians. You know, it was Moses, by the way, and it's interesting because God told him to take his staff. And if you knew what this staff represented, you know that this was the same staff that Aaron and Moses took. And God told them in the presence of Pharaoh to lay it down, and it became a what? Snake. And it became a snake. And then he told him again to pick it up, and it again it became a staff. This staff was the same staff that when they were getting ready to part the Red Sea, Moses struck it and the waters parted. So what did this staff represent? This staff represented the power of God. And it's interesting to me because the more and more we get into Scripture, what you'll understand, there are moments when the power of God is represented in wooden form and raised up. So for example, you remember when the poisonous snakes were out there. They were told to create a staff with a serpent on it. And when that staff was raised up and the people could look at that, what happened? They were healed. They were healed from that poison. Again, because it represented the power of God. And then we get into the New Testament. And Jesus is put upon a piece of wood on a cross. And he's raised up. And you and I can be forgiven of our sins for what he did on that cross that day. We can look at that raised up staff again and realize the power of God was in that moment. And so again, Moses took that staff and he struck the rock and water came out of it. And again, what I think it's important for us to realize is that even though you and I have the power of God, how often do we go to it? How often do we turn to it? And so when I say there's this untapped potential of power, I'm saying that we infrequently go to God with our needs in prayer. And God wants us to communicate with him. He's given us this staff or this power. And he says, use it. And in what God was saying, even in the people, because the people had seen God do miracle after miracle, but for some reason they forgot it. I mean, they started asking stupid questions, by the way. I mean, this was the same God who took all these plagues and made sure that they were given their freedom. This was the same God that when the armies were coming upon them and Moses put the staff down, that the seas were parted, they went across, and then the sea collapsed on the Egyptians and took them all out. This was the same God who had been providing for them day after day, who was providing them a, a cloud by day as sort of protection and, and shade, and it was leading them in a moon at night so they were, they were to see as they were, or a fire, so they were able to see as they were going out. This was the same God who did all this. And then they come to this place, and they said what? Has God just let us out here to die? 
I mean, that's a crazy statement again. The same God, you know, in their minds, what they were thinking is God did this. Well, you know, I'm really just, uh, I'm going to deliver him from the Israel, or from the Egyptians so that I can take him out there and let him die. That's what I'm doing. That's my big plan. You know, I'm going to free him and then I'm going to kill him. You know, I mean, it's just an absurd thing to think. Now, again, you can read this passage of scripture, may not understand this passage, but the place that they went was called Rephidim, which in our text is this. It basically means rest stop. Okay, which is pretty interesting. So they came to a rest stop so they could rest and be refreshed. And so it's interesting to me, like, I don't know if you've ever been on a long trip, but you know, maybe you've drank a little bit more than you should. And eventually you feel like, I've got to go to the bathroom. I need a place to stop. I need a place to stretch my legs. And so you get to the rest stop. You get up to the bathrooms, and now they are locked. All right? How does that make you feel? Now, as a little boy, I mean, I just found a tree, you know. But as an adult, <laughs> that's a problem. Can you imagine going to a rest stop and also not finding anything refreshing to drink? And they were at that place. So they're grumbling like much like you or I would have done. But what God wanted them to understand is that the same God who's been with them in the past will be with them in the present, be with them in the future as well. So when God hears us and we understand that prayer is valuable, listen to this. God wants us to submit and to commit to prayer. You see, what is submission? Submission is that idea of yielding to somebody that is superior and authority in our life. And I have to tell you, submission is a huge problem in our day, isn't it? I mean, when I was growing up, like I said, that coach who gave me that workout, there was part of me that wanted to resist what he was saying, but guess what? I submitted. Why? Because he had authority. My teachers would often give me assignments that I didn't really want to do, but I submitted. Why? Because of their authority. My parents would often tell me to do stuff like clean my room and take care of myself. And again, I didn't want to do it, but I submitted because of their authority. And we're living in a world, whether we recognize it or not, that no longer submits to authority. We don't submit to the authority. And the scripture tells us over and over again to submit to authority. You know, I don't know where you're at politically, and I don't really care. But there are some things that drive me crazy. And when we don't show proper respect to some of the authorities or, or to some of the first responders or to those cops and, and the sheriffs and the patrol, I have a problem with it. Because they are trying to protect us and to help us and to govern us. And so there needs to be a moment of submission. I think what kids, I think what they're failing to understand today is that parents are there to help them, to strengthen them. And so kids, I think when we question our parents, what we're saying is, I'm not submitting to your authority. And that's a problem. Because they have your best interest at heart. And there are people around us that are looking to provide for us. And because we have a problem with submission, then when God tells us to do something, we have a problem submitting to his authority as well. And yet you and I need to understand that every day God cares about what's going on in your life. He's preparing a way for you. And so we need to submit to his authority. But not only do we need to submit, but we need to commit as well. And what I mean by that is once I decide that God is sovereign and I understand his authority, then I say, then I'm committing to what you ask me 
I had to come to a place when that coach was telling me the workout that I had to commit to that workout. And because I committed to that workout, I had greater strength at the end. You see, if you and I will commit to some of those things that authority is giving us, we will become better. Students, start listening to your teachers. Do what they say. You're going to be smarter for it. Someone start listening to your bosses because they may have the bigger picture in mind. We need to commit to the process of what they're calling us to do. There are times in our relationships when we need to commit to one another because we know that each other cares. I think sometimes we don't realize how much some of the authority people in our lives care about us. And so, frankly, we forget how much God cares for us as well. So we submit and we commit to prayer. I believe that uh, in my life, um, I believed in my parents, I believed in my coaches, I believed in my spouse, and I believed in my bosses. And because of that, it's helped me to get a lot further on than I could have. Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And so you've got to buy into God's system. You've got to say, you know what? This is what I'm going to commit, and this is what I'm going to submit to. Now, the enemy wants you to do what? He wants to distract you. And I mean distract you easily. And so have you ever noticed every time you try to go to the Lord in prayer, what happens? Distractions come in. You know, so you'll, you'll think, I'm going to spend some time in prayer, and then the phone rings. And we think we have to answer it. Or we start praying and then all of a sudden we remember about something we have to do, a bill we have to pay or something we have to contact, a relationship we need to mend. And all of a sudden we start focusing on that thing and we get very distracted in our prayer and it takes us away from prayer. Listen, we need to come to the place where we take care of those distractions because the enemy does not want you spending any time with God. And so here's a, I'm just going to give you some like these amazing concepts, but the cool thing about phones now, you can let them go to voicemail. Then you can deal with it a little bit later. I honestly, I, I don't even know how I made it as a, as a kid. You're not going to believe this. I did not have a phone as a kid. And uh, the world still went, you know, like it was, it's, things still happened. It was okay. All right. I think if we have a pad of paper beside us and we're, I could have been killed by the way. So, you know, <laughs> just want you guys to know that. Thank you, Lord. Uh, anyways, we could have had, you, you can have a pad of paper with you, right? And so when those distractions come, we do what? Just write them down. And we'll get back to it. Why? Because it's important for us not to be distracted away from God. So the enemy wants to distract you, but he also wants you to give up. And so the enemy will often whisper in your ear, how long have you been praying that prayer? How long have you been asking that thing? And as God showed up, and as God did the work that, that, that you thought he was going to do, and they'll say, why don't you just give up? And I have to tell you, there were times when I was working out in this thing, because the workout was, it was a lot of repetition of things. And I remember thinking, man, this is so little weight. This is not going to help. Let's just get back to the bigger, heavier stuff, and I'll just lift it as in, you know, a little bit more infrequently and stuff. But if I would have gave up, what would happen? When they would have been able to lift those things at the end. But the devil wants you to give up, and God wants you to stay focused on it. The second thing we run into is this then. There is a point at which you need to find the right spotters in your life. And so when I'm lifting weights, 
um, one of the things is important for me is I have to find somebody that who is going to, because um, there's certain weights I'm lifting that I may not be able to lift them. I may get tired in the workout. So I have to have what we call a spotter, and they come in, and they're around the bar, and and uh, they either will yell at me like, come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can, like they're encouraging me, or sometimes they'll kind of put their hands on the bar, and they're not really picking it up, but it feels like, I remember spotting guys before, and uh, I would, I would honestly just put my fingers on the bar, and I would act like I'm picking it up, you know, and they were able to move a lot more weight, and I was laughing because I'm like, my fingers are so incredibly strong, you know, and I'm like, I couldn't do anything with those, you know. But for some reason, it was enough to help them get over the task that they were trying to do. The thing I didn't want in a spotter is this. I didn't want it to be like, dude, there's no way you're ever going to pick that up. Like, you were sad. It's just not going to work. The other thing I don't want from a spotter is I don't want them just leaning on it, being like, okay, why don't you pick that up and me too? You know, this is what I'm going to do. Because I'm not going to get that weight up. And so it's important that you and I pick the right spotters. So verses 9 through 12, it says, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, and Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses set up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it up under him, and sat on it. Aaron or her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other side, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. You see, what God wants us for when we're choosing spotters is he wants us to choose people that will help and strengthen us. And you know, the Bible is full of people who we should pick. It's full of choosing elders. It's full of choosing wise people. It's full of saying who not to choose. And the Bible is very descriptive about that. You see, when I was lifting, I always needed someone who would push me. And I say that because I think sometimes you and I can get into spotting situations or we can choose a spotter that just takes the weight for us. And that doesn't do you any good, does it? If they take all the weight for you, does that strengthen you? No. It makes you weaker and it hinders you in some way. You see, it's important that we choose people that will help and strengthen us. They're the people that are going to come aside us and cheer us on. They're the people that are going to be able to speak truth into our life. When I'm not making the right decisions, they're going to be the ones that say, Pastor Chuck, you really think that's the way you should have responded? And I look at them and say, you're right. You're right. And I tell you, God's given me all kind of different spotters in my life. Those people have strengthened me. My parents early on, they were the ones that made sure I was in church. They were the ones who encouraged me. They were the ones who didn't give me this false information. They're the ones that made me go through some tough times because it made me stronger. You see, there's also my spouse, my wife. She's the one who hears me, man. Because there's a times when I come out of a service and I think, oh, man, I don't know that that went very well. And my wife is the one that encourages me or lifts me up. Believe it or not, my kids even do it. My kids will have moments in, in their life when they'll notice something about dad and they'll say, dad, mm-mm-mm, shouldn't watch it, shouldn't do that. And they strengthen me along the way. There are staff members that they do so much for me. You know, sometimes we'll have dreams and visions of where we think God is leading us and going, and the staff will get in there and they'll do the work. And matter of fact, it's funny sometimes because people come and say, Pastor Chuck, boy, I really appreciated this, how you did this. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't me. That was my staff. But I'll take the credit. (laughs) Not really. I've had somebody last week came up, uh, told me how great the message was. 
And they thought I appreciated it was Pastor Bo. And I got really offended because I'm like, I mean, I'm a lot better looking than that dude. You know what I mean? So, but it's okay. Why? Because there are those people in time who hold up my hands when I can't do it. And they lift me up and strengthen me. And then there's you in the congregation. You don't know how many times that you've lifted me up by the things that you said as well. And I tell you this not to get more for me. I tell you this because it's important that you and I understand the importance of having spotters in our life. And the right spotters that can strengthen and encourage us. You know, what's interesting to me also in this passage is this. When did the Amalekites attack? When they were trying to rest. So they were tired. They had just seen the miracles of God. And now they were tired and they were dejected. Have you ever noticed how the enemy will attack you after something great has happened? We suffer through it all the time here at the church. So we'll have a big event and have a lot of people here, get, have a lot of like, really cool stories, and then you'll have that one person that really got offended or that one situation where somebody rubbed somebody the wrong way, and we'll hear about that, and that messes with us. Why? Because the devil knows that's the time to mess with you. And the devil tries to find your weakest moments, and he tries to attack you, and that's why it's important to have a spotter who can help lift you up and give you strength. The enemy wants to want, he wants to both hinder and he wants to weaken you. So the enemy will come up and he'll remind you of your past. And he'll remind you that you've been trying to lift that same weight for how many, how long now? And it hasn't happened? He'll get in there and he'll say, he'll give you a soreness. He tries to take over. In your own life, he tries to provide distractions and he provides things where you get upset with one another. Why? Because he's trying to hinder you. And then he's also trying to weaken you as well. Because he wants you to think that you cannot accomplish things. He's a guy that's going to come in and say, you know what, let me just take care of this for you. And it's going to weaken you at the end of the day so that when you get ready to lift some heavy stuff, you can't do it. And there's some heavy things that we face in life that we need to be stronger for. And so I love what happens at the end of this because as Moses was holding this thing up, and there, some people talk like he may have held it like this, what the staff looks like, I don't know. But many times they would hold something up like this. And as he held it up like that, they knew at that moment that they were being strengthened. I, I, I don't have anything else to resolve this to, but um, I, I was never in the military, but sometimes I think about those old sort of wartime stories. And one of the most important things was for them to take the flag and do what? Raise it. And for some reason, as the people saw that flag, it, they, remind, they were reminded what they were fighting for, and it continued to push them on. The other thing I think it's interesting about that, anytime the flag fell, what happened? Somebody else had to go and do what? Raise it up. Because it was that important. And what the people were figuring out that day, as long as Moses was holding this up, they were winning. When it came down, they weren't. And so both Aaron and her got up on both sides. They even gave him a stone to sit on to take some of the pressure off his back. And then they helped hold that until sunset because that was where they were at. But in verse 13 to 16, after the battle's done, this is what we read. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because Joshua's going to become the leader later. Because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. By the way, if you go back, you won't find any direct descendants of the Amalekites anymore. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. 
He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, and the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. You see, what I want you to know is about a banner is this. A banner is a God's way of saying, I want you to remember, and I want you to be encouraged. And I think that there are times when you and I need to find out what our banners are in life. Like, what are we raising? What are the things that have made a difference? And so for me, I'll never forget that kid that knelt at an altar and realized that he was a sinful person. And then God got a hold of his life and said, you're mine. And you've been forgiven of your sins. And that's a banner that I have. So when there are days that I'm weak, I turn back to that banner and I say, Lord, I know what I did at the altar was real. And I can turn back to it and I can see it and that will strengthen me. There are moments that will strengthen you in your life and you'll remember them. Your wife admits that she made a mistake. I got a banner now. But there are times, I tell you, in my marriage and my relationship where I wonder, and, and I do this a lot because in our bedroom is our wedding pictures. And I look at that and I was like, I cannot believe she said yes. She must have been on something that day. But I look at that, and when we're struggling at times, and I said, I know that the commitment that she and I made was real. And I look at that, and I said, I know we're going to stay together. Because I know that this was a banner in our life. There's been miracles after miracles that have happened. There have been times when I didn't think I had finances, and God provided. And that's a banner that I turn back to and remember, God helped me back then. He can still help me today. There are times when I've gone through some pretty tough situations where some of you have been the banners in my life. And you've reminded me that this is what God called me to and we're going to make it. Church, what is the banner in your life that you can remember and you can be encouraged by? You see, what the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to forget and he wants you to be discouraged. He doesn't want you to put a banner up. He doesn't want you to have something you can look back at. He wants you to think that those weren't real moments. He wants you to question all those. And then he wants you to be discouraged by reminding you of your past so that it'll hold you down. But you and I know that every time the banner was raised, that that's where our power came from. And God still wants to raise that banner in your life today as well. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you right now. Because even as that word said, it said from generation to generation, <laughs> the Amalekites would be at war. And I believe from day to day, there's a war that's going on within our own lives. And we need to have a banner that we can raise up and we can remember what you did. I think it's important for us to remember, Lord, that there are some weak moments that come after some great things. And yet, Lord, we can be reminded that you're still working in those situations. I think it's important for us to realize that we have spotters in our life. And honestly, Father, some of us may not even realize there have been some people speaking truth into us, but we've rejected them or forgot about it for some reason. We need to be reminded that they care enough about us to say something and to encourage us to be better. Help us to get rid of maybe those ones that are just trying to deject us or to discourage us and Get the enemy out of the way. Your scripture again tells us, resist the devil and he must 
flee. So I pray today, just like the Israelites found out long ago, that as long as they commit and submit to prayer, they win the war. But when they lose sight of you, that's when they start to fail. Father, our struggle right now is not against flesh and blood. It's against the enemies that are out there in the world. Help us to be encouraged and renewed and refreshed by your spirit now. And help us to have that banner that we can take with us. Father, we thank you for loving us, forgiving us, and for moving us forward. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, church, hopefully this week you'll find out some piece of banner, maybe even write the statement down and say, this is what I'm going to turn back to. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.